This is the Fi After 40 podcast, episode 19. From a travel standpoint, nearly every memorable experience I have had is because of going with accommodations that wasn't the all-inclusive resort or the cruise ship, where you really get to experience the culture and the people and take in the place that you've gone to. This is the Fi After 40 podcast a show where I dive into the FIRE movement to see what financial independence is all about. I'll share the steps I've taken to start my journey toward becoming financially independent. And along the way, I'll bring in others who are on a path of their own. You'll hear stories and advice from people who have reached their version of FI, and from those like me who are still finding their way. This is a show for anyone who wants to learn, grow, and connect with others. This is FI After 40. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Fi After 40 podcast. I hope everyone is having a great summer. I have some time coming up with my family at the lake uh, in the next couple of weeks, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, this has obviously been a crazy year for all of us, so some vacation time is well-deserved. Um, I hope all of you are able to spend some time doing whatever it is that recharges your batteries and brings some joy to your life. Today's guest is Greg from the Suburban Folk Podcast. Uh, his show is really diverse. It actually covers several topics like travel, finance, health and fitness, home improvement, um, a lot on parenting, and even some on entertainment. So uh, we dig into many of those topics in today's show. He has a really good perspective on several things personal finance related, such as how to earn money through side hustles. Uh, he also talks about why travel is so important to him. And he even shares his thoughts on the most famous sci-fi movie franchise ever created. So before we jump over to the episode, I want to thank you again for your support and for listening to the show. Uh, for those of you listening on Apple, if you could take a couple minutes to jump over and leave a rating and review, it would mean so much to me. Uh, it's one of the best ways to help people find the show. So a five-star rating and a comment is super helpful. And with that, let's kick off the conversation with Greg. Hope you enjoy. So today I've got Greg from the Suburban Folk Podcast on the show. Greg, thanks for coming on. How's it going? Yeah, absolutely. I am doing very well, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, I'm excited. I wanted to bring you on so we could talk exclusively about Star Wars and get your breakdown <laughs> of, of all the different films. Uh, no, I did I did listen to back to some of your shows, and I know that that was one of your topics you covered, which is pretty interesting. Um, but I didn't hear if you were a fan of the last movie in the series. What was your general take on that? As a matter of fact, the episode that we did was right before the last movie came out. So I figured of the five people left in the world that haven't actually seen Star Wars, we'd do a full <laughs> comprehensive review of Star Wars. It was fine. I, yeah. I was not a huge fan of any of the new movies. The take that I had that I've never heard anybody else really say is it felt a lot like Harry Potter. For example, mm. the big snake was basically the basilisk from the second Harry Potter movie. And it's the same kind of they're searching for, gosh, I forget what they call it. It wasn't a holocron, but that whole thing to go find the planet, which is like finding a horcrux. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah. Star Wars, Harry Potter. 
Very familiar. Yeah, it's it's kind of recycling uh, current current movie themes. Um, you know, instead of kind of, I think a lot of the newer ones did seem to like touch back on some of the originals as well. And so it was a hard kind of balance of like, are you just recycling the same storylines or is it like a throwback to the originals? And so, yeah, it was tough. I mean, I'm a fan of the movies in general, but it was, wasn't a huge fan of, of the last couple really. So, you know, Mandalorian is making things a lot easier to swallow and uh, hopefully the new Disney plus shows that are supposed to come out will keep us with some good Star Wars content. Yeah, absolutely. I love the, Ma- the Mandalorian, a, a great show. I recommend it to anyone who has not seen that yet. Um, but jumping back over to your podcast, I, like I said, I heard some some talk on that. It's a pretty interesting show that you put together because you cover a lot of different topics. So give me some insight into kind of what triggered you to, to pull that together and, and what your goal is with the show. Maybe I'll start with jumping from that Star Wars episode. My original idea was to have a hobby with friends and family. I was going to have a round robin co-host list of some of my family and some of my close friends. And as you might imagine, the interest was varying between my contacts. So after the first month or so, I had my first uh, outside of my network guest and she is a uh, well-practiced triathlete who also does coaching and that was something I was very very interested in from a health standpoint and it was at that point that I started to really establish what I wanted to do with the show now as far as the name is concerned I intentionally called it suburban because I feel like suburbia gets a bad rap and I've lived most of my life in suburbia and hey it's not all cookie cutter and I don't spend all of my time driving my kids to soccer and watching Netflix all day and then nothing else exciting happens. So, uh, and of course what I'm an expert in is all things in suburbia. So the topics that I ultimately have focused on is personal finance, uh, which has always been an interest of mine and whether you're in suburbia or or not, of course, is something I think you really want to have in order and people have to deal with all the time. Health is also very important to me and I, continue to preach for whoever will listen that you need to always do what's right for your health. Again, as compared to your finances, I'm all about pursuing your financial goals. But if you're in a job, for example, that's a detriment to your health, that's a problem and something that you really need to be able to address. And there's a lot of things that I can learn still in the world of health and fitness. Uh, DIY is something I think that is somewhat uniquely suburban. So if you own a house, you know, the trials and tribulations of keeping that house up. And also, again, from a dollar standpoint, the more you learn, the more money you can keep in your own pocket and make sure that you're taking care of what you can take care of. Parenting is one of the first topics that I was really interested in when I first started listening to podcasts. My children are age three and five, so I know I've got a long way to go and no parent is perfect. So a lot of advice to be given and received in that particular topic. And then rounding it out is travel. Of course, travel is not a requirement of anybody as far as responsibilities are concerned, but I'm a big believer in experience over stuff as far as spending is concerned. And to me, the best version of buying experience is travel. So it's just something I'm really, really interested in. And I've been thrilled with not only the people I've been able to meet in the US, but internationally. It's just been a blast getting to talk to folks all over the globe and understand where they're coming from and what kind of cultures they have. And who knows, once 
we get to a point where we're traveling a little bit more, I might have found some friends that I can go and have coffee with when I make it to their countries. Yeah, that's great. And and I think, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, a lot of great topics that you cover. And and while those are all separate, you know, topics, separate areas, there's a lot of overlap there, right? Like most of what I focus on through this show is is personal finance and getting people's finances straightened out. But that definitely overlaps with parenting. It overlaps with travel and experiences. And like you said, uh, value. What do you value in life? Do you value experiences over over stuff? Um, but I want to I want to touch back on something you said about that whole concept of suburbia because I feel like that really epitomizes that American dream right? The whole family, car, house. Uh, and, and in some ways, that's something that it can sometimes be kind of a trap that you fall into if you feel like, hey, I'm going to do all these things that I'm supposed to be doing. And financially, those can be um, huge investments, like buying the house, buying the car, some of those things. So so how do how do the finances come in when you look at that that idea of living in suburbia and uh, being part of a community and seeing all these other people and and how do you manage the the financial part of that to not feel like you're keeping up with the Joneses? From my standpoint, I'm maybe too involved in finances that I, I can't have a conversation without considering what the cost of something will be. So I'll say for any conversation that I have, there's always going to be a question of what does it cost? And is it something I should be spending my money on? One interesting conversation that I had with a guest around COVID, we were saying, isn't it interesting that you hear about people trying to get back into urban areas and all these different downtown settings that have continued to really build up and try to attract people to come in? And my mindset there is it tends to be more expensive. And now some of the things we're reading is, will there be an exodus from right. the urban areas from a health standpoint? Uh, right, we'll, yeah. we'll, of course, see what happens long term. But what is interesting about that is I really have had in my head for urban areas how expensive they can be. And I guess because I'm thinking of the downtown areas that have become the really places to be and super expensive apartments. But I've had other people say, well, suburbia can be very expensive as well when you're talking about these McMansions and yeah, exactly. <laughs> your point, keeping up with the Joneses. So I was like, that, that is an interesting perspective. Uh, so I, I think maybe the middle ground there is both in suburbia and urban areas and probably rural, there is different price points that people should be looking at. And just overall, you need to be aware of what your income is, what you can afford, and don't be spending like crazy just to keep up with the judges. Again, I use that word McMansion and that's on purpose. I think that that term was developed to remind people that you're really not fulfilling anything other than <laughs> trying to impress the people that you don't even know that are around you or another right. example that I like to talk about with cars. Luckily for me, I don't happen to be a car guy much at all. Uh, so as long as it's a smooth ride and I drive like a grandpa. So <laughs> when, when, when people say anything more than like a four cylinder sedan, I'm like, I, I, I don't really need any more power than that. I'm looking for gas mileage, but the technical term for your Lexus and heck, even I think your BMWs is 
affordable luxury. And I always remind myself of that because it's like the people that really have crazy amount of money that don't have to worry about it are buying Bentleys and six figure cars. Right. And, yeah. And and it's only those people that want to have these perceived luxury cars again, just to draw attention to themselves and make it look like they have it all together. Yeah. So with your background, how do you feel like, um, I guess from your kind of upbringing and your, um, your approach naturally, are you somebody that, that has to resist those spending urges or are you someone that's been more naturally frugal and kind of on the saver side? I I actually have ebbed and flowed a, a little bit throughout my life. Generally speaking, I think most people would call me an aggressive saver. So Mm -hmm. for example, my version of spending a lot is right out of college. Instead of shopping at, let's say Kohl's, I would go to some of the other mall chains. I guess I'll say this is embarrassing to say now, but Express was the store that I would go to all the time. And their stuff was kind of expensive compared to what I used to do. And then I eventually ratcheted it back and realized that I'm just paying for a logo and and really nothing else as far as quality is concerned. I mentioned cars. I've never really been the one to look for a car that would be flashy or uh, something that would be any kind of a status beyond that. And homes, probably similar. I, I do enjoy having certain amenities, I guess, in my house that I can stay home because frankly, I don't really go. (laughs) I'm not really a a social butterfly. So as much as I can have in my house, and again, with what we're dealing with now, that's been really, really good. So I do enjoy having a little bit of extra space, but I keep that pretty relative to the overall income. For example, the house that we are in now is barely more than one year's income for my wife and I, which is a pretty conservative way to go about your house shopping, I think. Uh, and, And this all definitely stem from my parents. They were very similar. My dad actually was able to retire at 52 because he was as much of a saver as he was and had a lot of those same priorities that I mentioned for myself, a a travel family. And for example, he wanted to be able to be as flexible as possible when grandchildren came around and also be able to travel when he's still healthy and able to do so without the you know, burdens of the the day job. So I certainly learned a lot of that early on. Do you feel like now that you've got kids, have you already started? I know they're pretty young, but have you already started thinking about or even starting to bring up things that to, to kind of teach them about money and start to, to set a good example for them? Uh, here and there. Uh, it, like you said, it is pretty early. The most poignant moments of that is at Christmas and birthday time. Here's my best example. My son wanted an Optimus Prime and he was, I don't know, three or four. uh, So a Transformer toy. And he opened it and got a little bit of an excited reaction from him. And it couldn't have been more than 10 or 15 minutes later. He's throwing the thing down the cat door that goes into the basement and just crashes to the bottom. So there was an instance where I very quickly corrected him. And not that it means that much to him now, but he's going to continue to hear it that there are a lot of kids out there that would be thrilled to have the presents that you're getting. And if you don't have any more respect for a brand new toy that you just got, well, we need to 
you know, make sure that we understand the value of the things that we have and yeah, just value the things. So yeah. I think it'll be a few more years before that culminates into saving and things like that. Again, we do say it like when there's birthday money, he's got his piggy bank and I'll put it in there. And somewhat jokingly, I'll say, well, there's the start of your college fund. <laughs> so, right, yeah. so I think they'll be very used to the terms very, very quickly, uh, but, but haven't gotten quite to the age where we'd sit down and get into yeah. some real specifics about like managing their allowance or anything like that, but it's coming. You haven't talked about Vanguard funds yet with them or started uh, an investment account on their behalf yet. So. Not yet, but you know, in the spirit of you can always improve even on your own experiences. The bulk of what I saved was in just a regular bank account. So I will definitely introduce them to being able to invest that money rather than just necessarily leaving it in a bank account that you're not going to see much interest in. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I know one of the things that um, we t- we talked ahead of this a little bit, and I know you mentioned um, an interest in, in Dave Ramsey and, and his kind of uh, approach to finances. So can you talk a little bit about just kind of how that message has resonated with you and how that's helped to continue your financial journey? Yeah, absolutely. My initial introduction to Dave Ramsey probably is the same as anybody else. Once I got out of college and started listening to more talk radio than I did before where it was just mainly music. And once I started to pay attention to my own finances, really it appealed to my competitive spirit, meaning as I would hear people call in and say their age and what their issues were and so on, I would start to compare that to where I was and looking for any additional tips that I could take for my own savings and finance. I like how straightforward He is, of course, one of the big things that has emerged, I'll say, in the last five years. I don't know for sure when he's really gotten into the emphasis on it being emotional over the math. Uh, But I I think it is definitely a good point and is a good case to be made, especially for people that are struggling with debt and buying more than they should, that, yeah, it might make sense to carry a mortgage that's at historically low rates right now or a car loan that's at really, really low rates. But if you have that extra money, are you really going to save it and do what you're supposed to for the investments? Which of course is the investor's argument that, hey, I can make more money by putting that savings into the stock market and I will ultimately end up with more money. Well, right. But that assumes the person's actually going to take that money and invest it rather than saying, Hey, I've got an extra couple hundred dollars a month and let me go to spend it on some other kind of entertainment that they don't necessarily need. So I really like that description. And I think it really holds a lot of weight for people that find themselves in a situation where they need to clean up some of their finances. Uh, So that really was the main interaction that I had was just listening to the show. I actually did not take a look at any of his books until the last two or three years and practicing Mm -hmm. what I preach. I got it from the library. I didn't pay for it. (laughs) So uh, going through the baby steps, which for those that are not familiar, I won't go through every single one of them, but basically make sure you have the proper amount saved. Once you have that, then knock out any debts you might have then have a little bit more saved in case you would lose your job or anything like that. And then you get into your retirement. And then if you have children saving for college and really to the end, paying off your mortgage, which again goes back to what makes emotional sense compared to mathematical sense. 
my mortgage is very low, but there's going to be something very nice when I have that final mortgage payment and never have to have it anymore, even though I guess technically I could have made more money otherwise. And so flashing forward to my experience with Dave Ramsey with the podcast, I did a seminar uh, that was about marketing and things like that, but it really focused on services at least a lot of the other people that attended had services. And frankly, I'm thinking, "Mm, I didn't really, I came to this (laughs) specifically to understand podcasting and what else I could be doing. So as I started to research to see if there was something I could take on to offer as a service, I found Dave Ramsey's financial coaching courses. So I did some research and decided to jump into that. And so I will be done with the financial course uh, probably in a couple of weeks, uh, no later than the end of the month. And it's a passion project. It hits all of the things that I would want it to. I'm a big side gig, side hustle guy. And this is the newest one that definitely hits a passion, definitely will allow me to help other people and gives me also just a project to work on because I'm also the type that I sort of like fear (laughs) non-productivity. So I always have to be doing something. So this is sort of that next project. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, it seems kind of win-win in that perspective of, you know, you get to do something that you're passionate about and you're helping other people. So is is the idea, because I'm not super familiar with the specifics of it, but I assume it's it's kind of coaching people through financial uh, steps as far as like paying off debt and starting their savings, some of those those steps that you mentioned. So is the idea to just kind of connect one-on-one with people and, and give them some support and advice as they're trying to straighten out their finances? Uh, more or less, yes. Now the beginning consultation would be for a potential client to fill out a full profile that would require them to state what their goals are. So it it wouldn't be me saying, give me your finances and then I'm going to tell you what your goals should be. Of course, it starts with them recognizing that they have a certain goal and they're not necessarily where they want to be and they need some help to get to that next thing. And yeah, the most standard would be if you do have debt and getting through that, figuring out if you have enough income, if not, what do you need to do to either reduce your expenses or bring in more money? Make sure you actually are budgeting so that you have a plan and you can basically act on that plan. So you're not sort of going month to month worrying whether or not you're going to have enough money and other things that you may not think of for financial coaching. That is also part of what I would check for is things like insurance. Do you have life insurance? If you have children, Mm -hmm. how much do you have based on what your income is? What do you know about disability insurance, depending on the type of work that you have? Is it something that you need? And then even further down the way of, do you have a will in place? Is all of that squared away? Cause you don't want to be dealing with something like that. Uh, God forbid you have, you know, a, a death in the family or anything like that going on. And then even more to the extremes, uh, if somebody happens to find themselves considering bankruptcy or their house is about to be foreclosed on, uh, these are also areas where the financial coaches are able to jump in and point people in the right direction. And the other thing that I point out that's specific for this is, again, if you listen to the Dave Ramsey show, well, obviously he can't get into every single detail with the people that call in. So for the the same reason that there's a personal trainer that can give you more individual coaching, even though there's a bunch of Beachbody videos out there, (laughs) uh, it's the same thing in the financial coaching world. 
I would have the time to go through your specifics. And then also from a local standpoint, sticking with the insurance example, if you don't have life insurance in place, I can get you in front of people locally that I trust and have worked with so that that agent can get you set up and so on. So reduce the friction and getting things set up the way they need to be. So it sounds like um, based on just kind of your own experiences, kind of stepping back to how you've gotten yourself into the position that you're in, do you feel like you're someone that is, is one of your goals, I guess, just kind of working towards financial independence in general? Is that something that's on your radar? Absolutely. It wasn't always, again, going back to when I became an aggressive saver and just kind of falling into it rather than being intentional. So right out of college, Luckily, again, my parents at least gave me enough advice for 401k to say, hey, put at least 10% in there, get your match. And that was about it for maybe the first two, three, four years out of school. I was naturally averse to debt. I came out of college with a pretty minimal amount of debt, uh, somewhere around like 10,000 to 13,000 if memory serves, uh, which I was able to you know, bang out that payment within a year. And last check, I want to say, the average student loan is what, 34, 35,000, maybe even higher than that. So, um, yeah. So, lucky, luckily for me, I was starting on a pretty good footing coming out of college. The specific moments that I can recall that made me really think about becoming financially independent, which to me equals flexibility. That, that's my main theme of yep. doing what's right for my family and making sure that whatever my jobs are don't interfere with the goals that I have in raising my family. Uh, one was my wife's med school debt, which was a six figure debt. And the first number was not a one. <laughs> so, okay. so we really attacked that as soon as she got done with residency, we held steady, for example, to not buy a house or do anything else for any lifestyle inflation, even though obviously for those that are familiar, the salary going from residency to, uh, in her case, an owner of a practice is a pretty big jump pretty quickly. So if I can say this, it takes a little bit of discipline to not go splurge on something, but I wanted to just have that done. And once you're done with a payment like that, I mean, that's a mortgage, right? So yeah, all of a sudden a mortgage, just a total mortgage, not even a mortgage payment, doesn't seem that insurmountable anymore. And then once children came around is the next time where it really started to click for me that I wanted to be in a position sooner than later to control my own destiny. Uh, actually, when my daughter was born, I was in Chicago and get a call at 3 a.m. from my wife. Hey, I'm going into labor because she ended up being four weeks early. So, oh, wow. So I had originally told my boss, Hey, I can travel for like that last week. And then I'm grounded, you know, for the foreseeable future. And sure enough, even that was not enough lead time. So, you know, emergency flight back to Chicago. She was born at about eight 30. I think I got there at about 2 PM. So what is that? Five hours <laughs> roughly after she was born. So I, I, the, magic of technology. I was able to do FaceTime and sit in a deserted part of O'Hare airport and take part as much as I possibly could. And, uh, I guess got a little bit of slice of what our military folks maybe have to deal with uh, if they're sure, overseas yeah. or something like that. But um, from there, uh, the 
requirements of travel as an example really is something that came to the forefront that if I happen to be in a position somewhere down the road that let's say I'm not able to be a coach for my kids sports teams or I'm missing other events and actually even after school care we're starting kindergarten with my oldest this year and I really want to do everything that I can to avoid having to to do after school care. Uh, so again, a way to do that from a flexibility and control your own destiny standpoint is to really be savvy with your savings and uh, be aggressive with it so that you can do what's right for your family. So so that was yeah. really the couple poignant things that made me say, this is something I really want to pursue and be very intentional about. I think it's interesting the, the point that you made about just the perspective that you can have on on things like debt. And and once you have that med school debt that you've paid off, like you said, all of a sudden now a home paying off a home mortgage early doesn't seem so crazy. And I think it's a great it's a great example of of how just how you're looking at things and expenses can really vary from person to person and family to family. And it, it gets really easy to just get comfortable with those expenses and say, well, you know, I've got my mortgage payment. I'm just going to pay it every month versus trying to step back and say, hey, what if we were aggressive with this and tried to pay this down early and we, we don't have to push this out for 30 years, we could do it in 15. And, and then what would we do for the next 15? What, what, what kind of doors would that open for us? So when you start getting creative and, and, and opening your mind to, to paying some of those things off, it, it does, it opens up a lot of opportunities for you. With that example too, it's so funny how just changing the way something is communicated can change somebody's perspective. So 30-year mortgage, that's, that's what you always hear whenever you get into the home buying process. But if you say to yourself, I'm buying this at the age of 30, and if I don't make any other payments, I'll be 60 when I pay this house off. Like, really? <laughs> I'm paying for this thing until I'm 60 years old? That just sounds yeah. nuts, but it goes back to that's the way it's done. This is how it goes. And, and people just tend to accept that. And of course you get into your house as an investment and, oh, well, you're going to make this extra money and so on. Well, we, we know how that went in 2008. I, I actually got stuck right in the middle of that because I bought my first house, I guess it was right at the beginning of 2008 just before it had completely bottomed out. So I got a, what I thought was an okay deal, but of course it kept going down from there. And I ended up having to make it a rental property for some amount of time. I learned a lot, but it certainly was not the investment that prior to that whole downturn, people wanted to make it out to be. Now with, we, we've talked a little bit about, about saving money and paying things down, but I also know that you've got some experience with, with earning additional income through side hustles and things like that. So, so walk us through some of the things that you've, some of the approaches you've had, or, or even um, things that you've done to to kind of help on the on the top end of it by increasing your income. Sure, uh, two experiences in college that I think also really helped shape my perspective around being skeptical when it comes to money and skeptical of people in, in a good way, just not sort of handing over money and hoping everything will be okay. And then also leading into the side hustles. So the first for the side hustles, my favorite story that really showed me that it pays to use the skills you have and also see how you can monetize those skills. I 
was not able to get the summer job from my sophomore to junior year of college. So I stayed on campus and worked in the theater and checked people into the dorms when they'd have certain events, stuff like that. The community had a musical and I didn't have anything else to do. So I went and did the musical. Lo and behold, into my junior year, the director of that play became the musical director for the chamber singers for the college I went to. Ran into him on campus and he said, hey, they've given me a handful of three, $4,000 scholarships and you can sing pretty well. I need a couple extra guys. Do you just want to come and do the chamber singers? Terrific. So I I scored a two years worth of uh, $4,000 scholarships, which that's great. You know, yeah. name me another college gig <laughs> while you're in school that's going to get that kind of a return. So it taught me the power of networking and again, monetizing a particular skill. In this case, it happened to be fine arts and in music. On the other end, actually with the music theme, I was in rock bands all through college. And so we found this ad that said, guaranteed record contract, as long as we want to work with you, send in your demo, all that kind of stuff. And I think it was like 500 bucks, somewhere around there. It was under a thousand. But again, for college student, that's serious money. So we get our money together, send it in. Hey, we get our money back if you don't get a contract. You know, what what could go wrong? So you get the thing back. Oh, you, you're going to be great. We love you. We want to represent you. We're sending it out to all these record labels. And so at the end of the period, I think it was like a six month window for them to get us a contract. We get this contract and thank goodness I knew one person that was an independent musician, super nice guy that I was able to send this contract to. And basically it's like, well, you're going to pay for your own studio time. You're going to pay for your own production. You're going to pay for your own distribution. Uh, Usually with a record contract, at least they're fronting you the money and then you pay it back on the back end. This wasn't even that. Uh, So there was nothing to it. But of course, technically they gave me a contract that was completely worthless <laughs> and they right, had no yeah. the game. So of course it was just a big scam. So it, that's a cheap lesson to learn uh, really uh, for getting scammed in such a way, but it also helped me realize that I needed to be skeptical and really understand what was going on with my money. Taking that uh, out of college, sticking with the music theme, I started teaching guitar lessons on days that I didn't have other things that were going on for some extra money that I could use. A few years later, I started doing soccer refereeing. I played soccer pretty much all through school, and that was a nice way to get some good exercise over the weekends and you know bring in a couple hundred bucks. Actually, for a little while, I did a blog, and I learned how to do my own WordPress site, so I would scour Craigslist. I don't know if people really use Craigslist for gigs anymore or not, but people would say, Hey, build my website. And I'd say, yeah, okay. You know, throw me a couple hundred bucks. I'll put it together for you. And was able to to do that. Uh, The rental property that I mentioned, again, I sort of fell into that, but after hiring a company for about a year, I realized that I was going to be able to rent it out myself, do the maintenance and all that kind of stuff. And basically not have to pay somebody else to do that as an extra side gig. And then kind of up to more recent years, I have a small consulting business that we focus on operations and data. So especially for like small businesses that don't have big CRMs that cost a whole lot of money, uh, we're able to do some work there. Uh, The Dave Ramsey thing that I had mentioned as well. And uh, I'm always kind of on the lookout for any other thing because I treat the income side very similar to investments, just from the standpoint of if I would happen to lose my day job, I don't want to go from 
whatever I'm making to zero. If I have something else going on, at least it's whatever I'm making to still having some of those other things there. And, and also, as I mentioned, the networking is, uh, is huge uh, when it comes to building your skills and figuring out what opportunities that you have. And then of course, huh, I actually forgot podcasting, of course, is the other <laughs> side gig, side hustle and, and continuing my theme. I love every aspect of it. And because I've got the music background, I even like doing the editing, which I found a lot of people don't like doing. So I'm gradually starting to offer those services as well. If people have a podcast and they don't want to do the editing, yes, yeah, send it my way and we'll figure out how we can get it done for you. Um, I've even actually made a couple of music themes <laughs> for a few shows as well with the musical equipment that I have here. So I, oh, nice. I, I love it. I, I can't get enough of the side hustles. Yeah, I think the the point you made about not just relying on that single source of income, it, it it just gives you that buffer where you're, you know, you might not be making enough to support yourself on these side things, but it just gives you that extra money and you can you can easily even mentally it almost makes it easier to say, well, this is extra money, so I can definitely just throw this in savings or I can put it towards something else because I'm not relying on this income. And so it almost like psychologically becomes like a great way to, to fund your savings by having these side gigs. Definitely. And one thing I would say if I had to do it over again is I, I, I did use all the side gig money as, as savings for sure. But one thing I could have done to be even a little more savvy is use that money for my daily and monthly expenses while using the 401k and the other avenues a little bit more aggressively so that I had the non-tax. So that's, that's one thing that I did not do uh, with my side gigs, but, uh, but yeah, any of that extra money that's coming in, if you can treat it like a bonus and, and make sure that more goes to savings, you're, you're going to be in really good shape. So what's some general advice that you would offer somebody who's starting to turn those finances around a little bit later in their life? I think I would just emphasize again for the flexibility and for people that are interested in financial independence, one thing that's worth reiterating and Ben, what I love about your show is the theme of it's never too late. So if you're listening to me and saying, oh, this guy's talking about this stuff he did right out of college, I'm 20 years out of college or, or however long, it doesn't matter. You can still sort of look at everything that you've got in front of you and figure out ways to maximize income and learn more and more about investments. And you'll just very quickly, I think, find a path forward for what you're able to do. Uh, and also, I think it's worth noting that everything that I've learned, we, we haven't talked that much about specific investments, but I used the local library. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so it didn't cost me anything to get a lot of information there. So really look for alternative ways to do things that won't cost you a heck of a lot of money. Uh, here's another one for the library. Uh, if you happen to be on my Instagram, any book that I review and say, oh, I like this or I like that, every single one of them is from the library. I haven't spent a dime <laughs> on, on, on any of these things. Uh, so yeah, don't just, we started out with talking about making sure you're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. And that is very, very important. You'd be surprised about how many different ways there is to do things and don't, you can make an excuse not to do anything <laughs> really right. is the case. But uh, if you are actually motivated, you will be able to 
learn what you don't know and make a plan for yourself. So I think that's the most important things. Yeah, I think that's great advice. That's a, a great perspective to have. Um, one last thing to touch on, just because you had mentioned it earlier on, uh, you mentioned travel and that being kind of a, maybe a longer term goal for you. So what, what are some of your dream travel destinations? Do you have any on your bucket list that you would love to, to hit at some point? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, so Australia is probably the one that's on the forefront of my mind. Actually, going back to the theme where I was mentioning you have a baseline of wherever your family has been before. And, and we've gone to Europe a number of times, but none of my immediate family, I guess my grandma did, but not many have gone to Australia. So that's one yeah. that I definitely want to hit. Plus, I'll really test you here. My favorite band growing up was a band called Silverchair, who they were, they, they were dogged as like a Nirvana wannabe. They were only 15 when they got popular. And, yeah. And, sort of all of the post grunge who was going to be the next Nirvana. I, I really latched onto them. They've to this day are my favorite band and they're from Australia. So yeah. I feel like I have a, a kinship. I, I got to get there at some point for that. But anyway, that's definitely one. We will continue to do a lot of Europe. I've been to Ireland. I've been to Italy. I've been to Germany, but got to fill in plenty of other countries in between there, Spain, France, back to Italy, I actually haven't done the UK really. It was just Ireland uh, when I had done that before. A stretch goal even is, can we do all of the continents? I know that's become a little bit more of a common thing now that it seems like you can get to Antarctica. I have to do a little more research. I yeah. think there's boats and stuff that, that I'm you sure can you can get there that. somehow. <laughs> so we're doing some research also on where we would like to go in South America uh, and, and beyond. So yes, a lot of travel that's coming up. Obviously, there are a lot more things to be sad about with the lockdowns and with COVID. But sure, yeah. for us, we were supposed to go to Alaska this year and Turks and Caicos actually, gosh, in another few weeks, which needless to say are not happening. <laughs> so we've been lamenting that a little bit. The kids have finally gotten to that age where we can start to travel a little bit more. And this was supposed to be the breakout year. <laughs> and uh, looks like it's going to be postponed at least for a year or so. Yeah, I think uh, you know, travel is something that it's it's obviously a challenge for everyone right now, but uh, it is something that those experiences, and especially if you're able to bring your kids with you at some point, those those are memories that you can't put a price tag on. So if you're able to get yourself into a position where you can set aside some money for that and 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 do it in a way where you're not just throwing it on credit cards, but you're actually able to. Um, have that financial flexibility to afford those trips and those experiences. And that's, and that's really one of those sacrifices that some people probably need to make is, do you need, do you need the new car or are you better off keeping that, the older car for a little bit longer? And instead of putting that money into a, a travel fund, you know, um, that kind of stuff. You're actually hitting a great point. I think that is a good lesson for people for all aspects of their financial life in that from a travel standpoint, nearly every memorable experience I have had is because of going with accommodations that wasn't the all-inclusive resort or the cruise ship where you really get to experience the culture and the people and take in the place that you've gone to is by visiting the local pub that isn't where all the rest of the tourists are at or 
staying at a bed and breakfast. For example, in Germany, we stayed in one that was a working dairy farm. So we're being woken up by cows in the morning and continuing with the Germany one. My parents had only booked two hotels for, I think it was about a 10 to 14 day trip. And that was on Christmas Eve and Christmas day. So we're going like all during Christmas time, not even knowing exactly where we're going to stay. But again, the memories that you get from that, the authenticity that you get from that has nothing to do with what you spent and and being able to be savvy there. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of lessons to be learned from how you travel and also where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. Um, Again, great perspective. I I love hearing your story. Um, If people want to learn more about you, follow your your journey, where can they they keep track of what what you're working on? Sure. I would encourage people to check out Suburban Folk. If you like the perspectives that I'm bringing forward and for example, you like how I think about finance and you want to see how I think about health, uh, head over to suburbanfolk.com. All of the categories are separated so that if you're not interested in travel, you don't have to <laughs> wade through those episodes or Star Wars, but I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to yeah, find out all wanna... about Star Wars. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you need to get a hold of me, it's greg at suburbanfolk.com. And that can be for anything about the show or the Dave Ramsey financial coaching. Again, I'm offering free consultations to walk you through what a prospective client of mine would be doing. And then uh, if we would want to do some consultations after that to uh, see where you're at and just do a status check of your overall finances, uh, I can have you covered there. And also I I can give away my phone number for that as well, which is uh, 717-856-5709 on all the socials as well at Suburban Folk. And I think that's pretty much everything. Finding the show on podcast applications, just search suburban space folk and it'll come right up. Awesome. Yes. I will definitely put that info in the show notes. Uh, Greg, this was a great conversation. Thanks so much for coming on today. Absolutely. I had a blast. Thanks again to Greg for coming on the show to share his perspective and his story. Uh, a lot of cool things that he talked through there. I, I love what we what we hit on at the end there with the travel goals. I think, like I said, travel is a huge experience that is priceless for people. So if you can prioritize that, if you're able to, as he's trying to, uh, I, I really support that and think it's it's well worth the investment. I also like the conversation about paying off your home early if you're able to and just resetting your mindset with looking at a 30-year mortgage and not just accepting the fact that, hey, 30 years, I'm going to keep with these payments the whole time rather than trying to be aggressive and potentially paying that off far sooner. You know, hearing people's stories about financial independence and what it means to them, I know it's super helpful to me. I hope it's helpful for you as well, uh, just to see what's motivating people, what steps they're taking, what things have worked for them, what things do they think they should have done differently. So um, I love these stories. I love the guests that we've had so far. I've got some great people coming up as well. So again, thanks for tuning into the show. I hope this was helpful this week, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Take care. To read more about my story, be sure to follow me at After 40 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also subscribe to receive updates whenever new content goes up at fiafter40.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review. It makes a big difference. Thanks for listening.